Welcome to B2B Marketers on a Mission, a podcast for change makers where we question the conventional, debunk marketing myths, provide actionable tips, think differently, disrupt industries, and take your marketing to a new level. From improving your campaigns to making you a better marketer, these are the inspirational stories that will help us change the way we think and approach B2B marketing one conversation at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Einblick Consulting, helping you to stand out in the market and drive revenue to your B2B business. And now your host, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of B2B Marketers on a Mission. This is the show where we help you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission to help clients strategize, write, and edit content from A to Z for better growth. So coming to us from San Francisco, California, Mr. Ren Agarwal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christian. I'm happy to be here. Great to be connected, Ren. And uh, hold on to your seats, everybody, because we are going to be talking about a very, very pertinent topic, which is, I would say, impacting anyone in the world of copywriting and content marketing or marketing in general, wouldn't you say? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All right. Well, here we go. Let's um, kick off this conversation, Ren, with a quote from the American theoretical physicist and futurist, somebody called Michio Kaku. So he said, there are dangers, but only dangers if people don't understand where technology is taking us. So the reason why I bring up that quote is because in today's conversation, we are talking about how chat GPT and other AI or machine learning platforms could signal the end of content marketing as we know it. Potentially a controversial topic, but over to you. Why should B2B marketers and anyone responsible for content out there take this topic seriously? Yeah. Well, I think we have to take it seriously because it's a innovative technology that is one of the fastest growing in history, if not the fastest growing. There's over 100 million people that have in some way interacted with ChatGPT, and there's, of course, lots of variants out there. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a movement, if you will, and it's important for marketers to tune in, understand what this is all about, use the tool, but most importantly, uh, you know, not not to not to panic. You know, I've been online as everybody else uh, has been, and who's paying attention to this topic. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of uncertainty and fear out there, and that I think really is unfounded. Yeah, I'd like to dig into that a little bit further. Why would you say that it's unfounded? You know, because um, I really think about Chat GPT as a tool and humans forever have been creating new tools and new innovations and adapting to them. Anything that we create, whether it's a product or a service, a a group, an association, there's a value chain involved, right? There's, if I think about an advertising campaign, you have to understand the brand, you have to understand the business objective, You have to understand the call to action, maybe the the modes and methods of of producing that advertisement. There's so many different steps and layers involved, and various tools have come to us over the years that we use today. They change jobs. They evolve jobs. 
And ChatGBT will certainly do that, uh, whether it's in content marketing or other kinds of uh, professions where this kind of large uh, model uh, may, may be applicable. Yeah, no, that's incredibly interesting. And um, I think you're right to say that, uh, you know, let's not all panic at the disco just yet. Yes. Right? Um, I mean, the machines are not going to rise up and take over the world, but we need to be cognizant of these trends, of these changes, and how this evolution, this technological evolution, is impacting uh, the work that people like uh, you and I are doing on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly okay. right. Right. On to the next question, which focuses on um, what are some of the common mistakes and misconceptions you see out there when it comes to chat GPT? And yeah. what is what is it that you think people are getting wrong? And what should they be doing about it? You know, one of the biggest users of chat GPT might just be high school students. And the reason for that, at least in the United States, right? If you go out to TikTok and you see students who are just ecstatic. I mean, they're literally like losing their minds watching ChatGPT do things like write an essay for them, comparing and contrasting characters in A Tale of Two Cities, or writing an essay on the causes of the Vietnam War, you know? That's because ChatGPT has essentially taken lots and lots of information out there that already exists online. Uh, I think I heard something like uh, they've, they've ingested information 60 times the size of Wikipedia. So it's an enormous amount of information. And when you're writing a, a report for school, you're really looking back, aren't you? It's So it's backwards looking information. And in that case, a tool that's vacuumed up all this information is going to just regurgitate that information for you. So when people see you know, some of these stories, they begin to say, oh my God, you know, this thing is just writing content. And it is, it's writing a book summary or it's writing a research paper, or you can ask it to, I think some teachers are even asking it to write a lesson plan for a sixth grader. But that's kind of misunderstanding what marketing and creativity, which is at the heart of marketing and even at the heart of business enterprise is really all about. You know, creativity is really about uniqueness. Chat GPT and these kinds of tools are about interchangeability. You know, they'll go out there and find a piece of content, find another piece of content, interpolate and say, hey, this piece of content should go after this piece of content. There's nothing unique about that. And so I think that that misunderstanding leads people to say, well, this thing is going to just do all the writing for me. But, you know, really good writing, uh, really good marketing that captivates audiences, that brings in new customers is really about uniqueness, right? We have a lot of content out there already, you know, but quantity has not resulted in a lot of quality. I think this really explains, and maybe we should have a podcast on this separate topic, but really explains the TikTok phenomenon. Because what people are really out there doing is they're looking for authentic reactions from people. And what happens today is when they find an authentic reaction, everybody just gives it a thumbs up because they're like, yep, I feel the same way. Because in a sea of content, everything has become so, you know, maybe it's all become Hollywood. It's so processed. And essentially, human beings are calling out for authenticity and connection, right? Um, a contact, a contact, excuse me, with the real. And if you're going to just use, you know, a chat GPT or one of these other 
writing software programs that are kind of popping up everywhere. And there's going to be dozens and dozens of these as startups get funded and, and they try to see how far they can go. You know, it's 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 really not the work that serious writers, serious marketers actually do. Absolutely, absolutely. You you touched on so many important points, and I'd like to go back to some of them. Uniqueness and uh, you know how creativity, a big part of creativity, is about uniqueness. That that certainly uh, is a point uh, worth repeating. Why? Because I think one of the things that I I tried to look up at least anyway with regards to Chat GPT is that it does while it does help like you know what you said it pulls a lot of data that's already existing online and it helps to aggregate all this data within a matter of seconds like i, I think i mentioned I, I i gave it a bit of a spin like a, a few hours ago before our conversation and it was amazing how quickly it, it turned out an answer um in 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 the in this kind of like formatted content but one thing that it did lack to your point was a bit of that human touch it didn't feel like it was actually a, a person that wrote that, right? It, it did feel a little bit mechanical, at least in my opinion. And yeah. I, I suppose at the end of the day, I can totally see how this kind of technology would be catering to that lazy side of human nature or people that don't want to do the work themselves. It does serve its role, I would say, in content marketing for people that are, okay, they want to churn out like this uh, micro content quickly. Then there's certainly a time and place for that, but in the grander scheme of things, I mean, to your point, is is this really the 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 right tool to use if you want to do more of this like higher level work? Yeah, yeah. And that's open to debate, and that might, to your point, be um, a topic for another podcast interview together yeah. with TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if I could just you know, kind of Please. piggyback on what you're saying, is absolutely short form content. If you're looking to create 140. Yeah. 280 characters. Yes. But once again, if you think that just putting out, you know, robotic language is going to help your cause, whether you're a marketer for a software company or you are a social media analyst for a consumer packaged goods company, I'm sorry. You know, that is not the thing that gets customers to sit up and say, of all the things that are coming through my feed, let me click on that one that sounds robotic. To 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 what you said, the the lazy approaches will very very quickly become jokes and memes, you know, and they will name companies uh, by name and say, "Yep, looks like they're using Chat GPT again," and it you will be the 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 butt of a meme on the internet laughing at your ability to be humorous or to connect connect with with consumers especially for the next generation which is already suspect of a lot of the content that's coming at them what role do you think strategy and market research and data play when it comes to effective b2b content marketing yeah i i mean it's uh, it's really the foundation isn't it i mean um when we when we work on a project um you know we have to do a lot of homework um we want to go out and see what's already come before um, what's the company's voice? What's a what's a tone that it likes to use? Who is its audience? To the extent that we can create personas, uh, we will try to do the uh, to the to the best that we can. Of course, personas are limited and lacking as well. There, at the end of the day, there is no substitute for what I would call real world contact. And I remember early in my career, 
people saying to me, you really got to get out of the office and stop just reading the manuals. So you got to actually go out and meet the customers and understand why they're using our products and services. Because unless you have that felt sense of any business, you you can't actually you know conduct business. You can't be an effective marketer or a communicator at all. So, you know that research builds the foundation for then engaging in the creative ideas. For any of us that that have worked in marketing or worked in a in a in a creative way, you know we understand that those ideas come from 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 many places. It's not just sitting at the desk and saying, "Okay, I'm going to be creative now." Sometimes people say, "I had a great idea in the shower," or uh, when I was you know driving into the, into the office. Well, why is that? Well, it's because we've almost turned off our left brain, and we've let our right brain really. Um, think about the bigger issues and make random connections. But ChatGPT is very much a left-brained approach. Let me tell ChatGPT to give me five tweets on a new software product that I'm launching tomorrow. Well, I can tell you what ChatGPT is going to give you already. You know, hey, are you looking to kind of um, scale up your operations more efficiently? Use our software product, right? Um, so... You know, that research, uh, however, is something that ChatGPT can help you with because, you know, as you said, um, it generates information really, really quickly. So you can ask it questions. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like a search engine, doesn't it? So really what's happened is over the last 20 years, we've had zero innovation really when it comes to search engine technology. And in fact, search engines have gotten worse. Um, you've got more ads on the search engine page. Um, because of content mills, unfortunately, you have a lot of um, sites and pages that aren't informative at all uh, and then are there just to uh, uh, game the SEO uh, search engine processes. You know, and that's that's been a real limitation of search engines. Well, anybody that's been using chat GPT will tell you that they use search engines less. Because I can just go ask it a question and it'll bring back lots of information. Now, you have to be careful and we should talk about, you know, the problem, some of the problems that we already know about ChatGPT. Um, but but essentially, ChatGPT is, is, is wonderful to go out and do research and bring back lots of information um, because search engines are so cumbersome and um, have really not innovated um, for two decades. Just give me a second here while I um, absorb all those insights. But um, thank you so much for sharing that. I think you brought up some really great points, and I'd like to go back to some of them. Uh, one of them being like, yes, absolutely, like search engines have uh, become cumbersome. And uh, something you brought up earlier about like some sites that are like uh, ranking very high on Google that are not informative of all at all. Well, they probably pay to be there, and that's. That's why you get those results, right? I mean, that would almost be the most plausible explanation. The other one is about understanding who the customers are. And this is going back to like content marketing 101. But I do remember another uh, guest on the show mentioning that she's been doing this uh, probably as long as you have. And she can immediately tell if a piece of content was written by someone who has never spoken to a customer. Yeah. Just by the way it was written, and also probably uh, by the lack of understanding of who the target audience is or the target reader 
uh, what they're looking for, what their motivations are for looking for this particular type of content, and how will this content help them at the end of the day, right? So there's a lot of these answers, or rather questions that need to be answered by said content marketer. And, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the, you know, Christian, I mean, that is so problematic because as mm -hmm. you and I were talking a little while ago, when we think about the buying journey in in B2P um, situations, the vast majority of these buying journeys involve prospective customers doing an enormous amount of research even before they talk to a representative of your company. And you don't even know that they're out there looking for a software product or looking for an industrial product, um, a service, but they are accessing your content. And if, you know, as your previous guest said that, you know, some of this content is, you know, is being created without talking to a customer or not really even speaking to the customer directly, customers will see that. And that means that your company will not be on the short list of vendors that are actually being evaluated. Um, so the days where, you know, we would do a lot of what we call shoe leather, go door to door with our direct sales force, um, and set up these meetings and 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 kind of you know pitch products and services. You know, I started my career at Hewlett Packard, and and that's what salespeople would do. They would kind of be in the field. They would go and do meetings with people that they knew, and they would show up and they would do a PowerPoint presentation or a demo on a product. That's fundamentally changed. Uh, that is not the way that um, uh, uh, products and services and B two B industries are being acquired. And um, content marketing is really the driver now um, for customers to get smart on what you offer, for them to feel like you really understand their pain points, um, and that you might be a good vendor for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You really hit the nail on the head there about content marketing being the driver, because at the end of the day, they are spending a lot of time conducting their own research and informing themselves before they even approach a said service provider. And if if you don't help them along in that journey and help them to make a, an informed decision, then you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be on that vendor list, right? So moving on from that to the next question, uh, where I'd like you to break it down for us a little bit. What is it that you think people need to understand? And you've mentioned some of these already, but like what is it that people need to understand about chat GPT and B2B? content marketing. So what I'm trying to say there is how can marketers use a combination of the two to deliver a more effective outcome? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very good question because it's very practical yeah. and um, you know, it's, it gets to the heart really of professionalism and, and professionalizing, continuing to professionalize what we do and, yeah. and the people that are our colleagues. So the first thing I would say is that, um, chat GPT or any of the other language tools out there. And like I said, there are lots already and more on the way. Um, you know, these are fantastic. I mean, I know a lot of writers that use Grammarly, for example, you know, great. You know, um, some people use uh, grammar checking within Microsoft Word, you know, um, uh, you know, Google Docs has some capability to help you with grammar where it even suggests language. So, so we're already using some of these AI tools every day. Um, I think 
uh, what chat GPT, what you need to know about chat GPT is a couple of things I think really important. Number one, obviously it's experimental. It's data cuts off in 2021. So if you are relying on chat GPT for current information, um, it's not there. And, you know, so you're going to have to use search engines and, um, and, you know, stay current on what's actually happening uh, because of that cutoff date. Um, which is also one of the problems with these with these large language models. Not only have they already consumed practically all the information that's out there, you know, there might be some intellectual property impl implications to that. You know, like where do they get the content? What's in there? Um, does the client content have bias? You know, a lot of people have, have written about that. I know that's not specifically what we're talking about today. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's already brought in all of this content, uh, where is it going to go get this additional content? And how is this going to keep up to date with what's happening? It's not a real-time product, you know, like a like a search engine would be, right? So that's, uh, that's really important to, to keep in mind. You know, the other thing is that um, ChatGPT has the ability to answer questions that you put to it. And um, the, the better question that you put to it, uh, the better response you'll get. And you can even do, um, you know, sometimes you can follow up uh, on a thread with subsequent questions um, that might refine uh, the answers that you're getting. The, the limitation to that is that I found uh, that ChatGPT uh, tends to error out a lot. So you have to keep refreshing it, which means you lose a little bit of that dialogue because it doesn't then remember kind of what's happening. So... Um, so asking questions, asking smart questions, you're going to get smart answers um, to it. But um, it is, you know, it does error out uh, occasionally. It also does does something uh, that um, you know computer scientists have been talking about, which is called hallucinating. So I'll give you an example. Um, I asked uh, ChatGPT to go out and uh, tell me what an article was about, uh, and I put the the title and the link in there, and it came back and I said, oh, this, this article, and it was about um, really the, the, the upcoming problems uh, of, for, for the startup ecosystem after SVB, and it was a big article in the New York Times on Monday. And uh, ChatGPT came back and said, oh, this article is about uh, how SVB Bank is changing its lending guidelines. And I said, no, no, that's not correct. And so ChatGPT apologized very nicely and said, well, can you please, uh, you know, give me the URL? So I gave the URL. It summarized it incorrectly again. Well, then I copied the whole New York Times article and I put it into ChatGPT and I said, please summarize it now. And the third time, it still summarized it erroneously. And there are lots of examples like, like this out there. So you can use it to ask questions. You can bring back a lot of research but you have to verify it. If you just rely on what it's what it said, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And there, uh, therein lies, I think, the heart of the matter, and uh, probably one of the main points uh, of discussion um, during our conversation today, right? Where the reason why we're having this conversation is because you're trying to like raise awareness for the fact that this type of technology does come with limitations. And to that point, Ren, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the first things I saw. There was a window that popped up in chat GPT saying that um, the data cuts off in 2021. So I was like, aha, right? 
So that in itself was already a limitation, right? And you have to be cognizant of that because otherwise, uh, and I think that was such a great um, case study that you brought up. You can keep feeding it with information, but if it's it, if it has this limitation, it's it's never going to come back with an accurate answer, right? Number one. Uh, number two, yes, of course, there's other tools out there. I mean, I myself use Grammarly, and I, I have to say I'm one of those people that doesn't always agree with everything Grammarly suggests, right? Because, again, it is it is AI, and um, you still require somebody at on the other end of that spectrum, human, to then make a judgment about whether you're going to um, act upon those recommendations or those corrections, or, or whether you're going to say, no, actually, I don't agree with that, and I'm going to skip it. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. So, Ren, we get to the point in the show where we're talking about actionable tips. So give us something actionable here. And the question is, what are, at the end of this conversation, what are three to five things that you hope the audience can walk away with mm. after they listen to our discussion? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if it, there's an order to what I'm going to suggest, but mm -hmm. let, me, let me suggest a couple of things here and um, to the best of my ability. One would be, uh, there's absolutely no reason to panic here. You know, I think like any new any new tool that comes up, um, you know, you have to kind of understand how to get this tool into your toolkit. And just the way that we've done with Google AdWords or the way that we've done with email marketing systems, um, the way that, uh, you know, we've done we've done using WordPress or people that use Yoast for SEO, um, people that use Google Tag Manager. Right, these are all things that we've had to learn over time, and they've actually made us more efficient and effective. But they haven't eliminated, and maybe this is my second point: they haven't eliminated, you know, Christian, something you always talk about, I think, very eloquently, which is the importance of strategy in marketing. You know, marketing is a strategic function, whether you're a B two C company or B two B company, um, because there's so many things that you have to synthesize to be a good marketer, and um, and so. Uh, you know, ChatGPT doesn't obviate that. You still have to be, a, you know, a really good strategist. And as a as a good strategist, I would say um, that you have to learn how to use this tool. And one of the things that I would say is, after you kind of sat down and said, "What are you writing about?" You know, draft a whole bunch of questions that you have about the subject uh, that you that you want to write on, and go ask ChatGPT. You know, so do research, use ChatGPT to do some research, first of all, and ask it. Um, what did I ask it the other day? Um, I said, uh, you know, what is the uh, what is the popularity of Pokemon Go? And it came back and it said, well, I don't have current data, but a couple of years ago, it was ranked 16th uh, in terms of XYZ statistic. And... Um, and then, so I had a couple of data points at my hand. Then I could go verify those to make sure it wasn't quote unquote hallucinating. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once I had that, I can, you know, begin to kind of work with those facts and figures, which was, you know, really, really helpful. I can sometimes say, 
uh, I can ask it to cite a reference. Hey, where can I find a reference online? Can you give me a URL that cites that fax? That's another really helpful way. Now you see I'm using it as a search engine, right? Um, so now that you've kind of you know gathered some research, um, and as you, you know, people write in different manners. I love a good outline as you begin to kind of outline what is your thesis, what are your sections, where are your examples going to come from. Um, what you can do is break break it down and take individual sections to chat GPT. You can ask it, you know, further questions. Hey, uh, I've written this paragraph. Can you give me some ways that I can add more detail to it? And it might come back with a lot, lots of horrible examples that you'll never use, right? Um, but it might, you know, also spark some some ideas. Um, I don't think actually ChatGPT is that great of a, a, a vehicle to give you new ideas. Um, but what it does is it helps you rule things out. Yeah, that's a dumb idea. I don't want to go in that direction or this direction. And then you really kind of come back to your own creative thinking and expertise, right? Um, as I was thinking about this podcast, uh, uh, I was doing some work and I learned that expertise um, comes from the Latin uh, meaning one who is experienced. And I thought that was really helpful. Yeah, because that totally makes sense, yeah. As an experienced uh, copywriter, you know, you have the expertise to understand what makes for a good article, you know. And so you can go and, you know, ask specific questions and get more data and get more research and kind of bring that in. So I think, you know, using research and chat, chat, chat GPT is, is really helpful. The fourth thing I would say is that, you know, when clients say to you, well, wh why don't I just do this in-house? Why do I need a copywriting agency or, you know, um, uh, you know or, or a marketing, general marketing agency to write this for me? I'll just write it myself. I've got chat GPT. Well, I think the answer to that is some of the things we talked about earlier, which is that are you looking for something that's unique? Or are you looking for something that's just recycled? Because we've all been to, you know, because I'm based in San Francisco, I'll just say, we've all been to software company websites. And after you spend some time on the homepage, you still don't know what they do. So, you know, there's a lot of content out there that, in fact, is already recycled, you know. Um, and so that's one thing I would how I would respond. But the other way I would respond is that, remember, copywriting isn't just put mashing together a bunch of words. It's what are we writing about? Why are we writing about those things? Where are we going to present this information, right? Um, what are we wanting the reader of this to do? From what I can tell so far, ChatGPT will regurgitate a lot of words and a lot of sentences, a lot of paragraphs, but they're not. it's not really towards any goal. You know, it's more like what a high schooler might use it to write a book report or might use it to write a term paper, you know, a research project where it, the whole purpose of high school is to understand what's come before so that you build a foundation so you can go into life and build on top of that as human society has done forever. Right. Uh, but that's not what a chat GPT does. But that is the assignment of good content writing which is to understand how do you influence um, the direction that a prospective buyer might be interested in, or how do you inform prospective buyer or other stakeholders? Um, I mean, really, do you want to use ChatGP to 
to distribute internal communications to your employees? Will they not see through the fact that this was just gen generated from a robot? Do you want to write a thought leadership article from a CEO using just chat GPT? You know? um, so the other thing that we also have to remember is that copywriters do other kinds of heavy lifting, don't they? Um, and content marketers, you know, you um, maintain an editorial calendar, you go and interview subject matter experts, um, you do multiple drafts, you go ask for input and feedback and incorporate that into your product. So don't forget about all of the things that actually go into the creation of content. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, th those are some fantastic points. And thanks again for that. And, you know, it's going back to what you were saying earlier, which is something that I've always kept in mind uh, with with my own work is. Uh, and one of the reasons why I'm utterly convinced that um, AI is not going to replace us anytime soon. I, I do mix even even with B2B content writing, I still throw in that occasional anecdote, those quotes. Why? Because if you're trying to make something that's very technical, very to a certain degree, a little bit heavy in a particular industry segment, and you're trying to make that a bit more palatable for everybody else. I mean, it's always important to bring it back to something that people can relate with, uh, something that has that, again, that I, I can't stress this enough, that human touch. When people read that, they, that they might even have a little bit of a chuckle to themselves, or if it's a very heavy topic, that it becomes a little bit lighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, at least from my own experience, um, AI hasn't hasn't reached that level yet, and I'm not even sure if it will. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly, mm -hmm. um, creative types um, in Hollywood have have been mm -hmm. asked to go out and look at this thing to see if sure. it can help with things like script writing. Script writing. Yep. And uh, there's a famous example where Alan Alda from Mash, for those of you that might have seen it, it's been off the air for decades. Um, but Alan Alta kind of went to ChatGPT and kind of played with it for a long time, was trying to reimagine the last episode of MASH. And his judgment when he came away from it is, I think the script writers are fine. Uh, this thing isn't even close uh, to being able to write a legitimate script. Um, I heard another anecdote where a Hollywood writer said, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I was using ChatGPT to kind of uh, imagine a scenario where there's a husband and wife team and uh, they're uh, on vacation and um, I wanted to get ChatGPT's help in what the dialogue would be between these two. And by the way, this is a story that's recounted in a new um, ebook out by the founder of LinkedIn, uh, who also is an investor in OpenAI. So this, uh, so this uh, writer in Hollywood um, says, now look what happens, right? So ChatGPT kind of writes, oh, well, you know, the husband asks the wife, hey, we don't have any secrets. We've been married for a long time. And no, we don't. And it'd be really bad for us to have any secrets, wouldn't it? And um, and, and, the, and the wife in the dialogue says, no, of course, we wouldn't have any secrets. And then the, the, the husband says, um, well, who's, I can't remember the, the, the name used, but who's Bob? And... And that's and that's all schmaltz, right? So the Hollywood writer is saying, yeah, that's all schmaltz. There's nothing there. Uh, but the Hollywood writer says, okay, watch what happens now. And uh, the wife says, well, how do you know about Bob? And the husband says, I saw something. I think it might have been like a text or something or an email. 
and it said, you know, I'm really like to talk to you. Um, you know, please contact me. And so he said, who is Bob? And he says, are you having an affair? And she says, no, it's nothing like that. He said, well, who, who is Bob? And she says, well, um, five years before I met you, I had a kidney transplant and I got it from Bob. And the Hollywood writer was like, isn't this great? Well, I'm looking at that and going, no, that's not great. I mean, you know, that's that's still schmaltz. So if 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 a Hollywood writer is saying, hey, that's really creative, I'm like, wow, I would have expected more from the writer than that, you know, kind of creative impulse. But and I'm picking on Hollywood in, in this conversation only because, you know, why not? But yeah, <laughs> but I think we underestimate our remarkable creativity, which is why. Every once in a while, when one of these independent movies come out, everybody is like, oh, my God, how did that movie out of nowhere win the Oscar? And then everybody tries to create that movie concept. Well, the reason is that, um, you know, theater goers, people that love film aren't idiots. They know a great story when they hear one. You know, it's not just another Marvel story, right? We know how that's going to go. So everything, everywhere, all at once, this year's Oscar winner, people are really captivated by the story because it was something totally different, right? Um, and that's what we expect from really great creativity. Everything else is just entertainment. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you can take it or leave it, you know? But it's not the great punchline. It's not the Oscar-winning movie. It's not that great song that becomes a classic, you know? That creativity, I would argue, is still very much right brain and is very much the purview of great writers. I think that was the perfect example to bring up um, on this podcast where we're talking about copywriting. But well, thanks again for that. And thank you to uh, Michelle Yeoh for, <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> yes. But you're absolutely right to say, let, let's just talk about that one for a second. Because, you know, We've got this movie that you know it's it's unique. It's it has a different angle. It's got this this different and unique cast of characters, and it's so completely different from, to your point, the cookie cutter story, right? That we're all used to. And uh, you 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 hit the nail right in the head with the MCU, or you know you just take your pick. Even some some Netflix series that are out there. It's interesting to see. Like even when my my wife and I are watching uh, some of the shows, we we almost know what's going to happen at the end. Why? Because we've seen this type of story play out before. This this format, this template, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. And, now, and, and, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Now, a writer is is you know interested in this kind of a thing because they're yeah. on the clock, and they have yeah. to very quickly produce stuff, even though if it's not very creative or very interesting or very good. Yes. But that has consequences, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why there's money losing years for studios. That's why a lot of movies flop. And you, you, it's not about the amount of money you put into these films. It's about yep. making a connection with the audience. Yes. And and so you know we understand the economic constraints um, that are at play here, um, but we also have to understand that things that that seem like they're the next great thing, time will tell. But the really important thing for us to do, uh, you know, in our industry is to really understand this and begin to steer it and begin to be in, in, involved with the conversation to help educate people that no, uh, you know, I saw a headline today that said mm -hmm. 300 million jobs are going away around the world. Well, you know what? There's been other 
incredible advances in technology that have come. Some jobs are lost, other jobs are gained, and that's just how innovation works. Um, but innovation doesn't stop, and human creativity doesn't stop. And I think that's a really, really important thing to be involved with, to be involved with that conversation, and to think really hard about these issues and not just accept what somebody might be say, saying about, oh my God, this is going to eliminate all copywriters or going to eliminate all attorneys, you know? I'm like, if it's going to eliminate legal work, that was just busy work anyway. Well, yep. great. Maybe we don't need that level of legal work. You know, maybe we need to be focusing on really important contracts and legal work. You know what I mean? And if ChatGPT is going to do away with Twitter, hooray. Because, you know, is that adding any value to anybody's brand, really? You know, so if ChatGPT is going to just churn out quick tweets, and that's going to mean nobody really pays attention to it. That's not such a bad thing. Totally agree. Totally agree. Speaking of things that will happen, I mean, I usually try not to do this on the show, but let's look into the crystal ball for a second here, right? Ren, where do you see all of this going? If we were going to look like maybe, maybe not 20 years, but like 10 years down the line, where do you see all of this going with ChatGPT and what kind of an impact is it going to have on content marketing? Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about uh, vinyl records, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's become a really big thing among young people. And they talk about vinyl records because they like the fidelity. They like the cracks. They like various things about the sound that comes out of vinyl records, as opposed to the, you know, the bits that are sampled, you know, and the digitization of, of music, you know. Um, and I was thinking about that because, I think content is unfortunately going to get a lot worse. And I think that we're going to have maybe an entire generation of folks graduating from high school that are going to be robbed of those really crucial four years where you learn to analyze and synthesize and write and think all of those great things. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, I hope that I know there's incredible teachers out there. I know they're already thinking about, hey, how can I get students to be collaborative with ChatGPT, you know, create even even bigger assignments, because I know that they can do a compare comparison of literary characters now by asking ChatGPT to do it. So maybe there's different prompts. And so, you know, I think teachers are going to try to do this, but I think there's also going to be a lot of laziness, unfortunately, um, you know, kind of in, in the system. Um, but I think that writing, unfortunately, is going to get worse because there is going to be a temptation to rely on these writing tools that, once again, are just recycling content that already exists out there. And that might be wrong, you know, uh, and that might be biased. Um, and that's unfortunate. But I think that that uh, is uh, not that big of a surprise because look at what's happened on social media and what's happened in other platforms where content has become, um, you know, kind of plastic in many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm really glad you brought that up because it brings me back to um, my high school days. And, you know, back then when we were required to study English literature, so with the likes of Shakespeare and what have you, um, there were a lot of classmates that opted to go for the cliff notes. 
Why? Because the cliff notes would like filter all that stuff out. And, uh, you know, you'd have these uh, summaries of each chapter of the, that specific Shakespearean tragedy and what have you. But I opted to go down the harder path and read the, the works themselves. Like, for example, and, and that's how I learned to not just appreciate the writing, but immerse yourself a bit more in the story, as complex as that might appear. Like, for example, when I was reading the tragedy of Julius Caesar, which is one of the classic Shakespeare ghost stories, because there is a ghost in that one. But if you just read through the cliff notes, you're going you're, you're gonna to miss out on the buildup to that point. And it's to your point, it's, uh, people are just, uh, laziness is certainly one, one thing. The other one is really, they just, there's people out there that always are trying to look for the shortcut. Sure. Right? And yeah. to a certain extent, and I'm not trying to like, uh, you know, this, this AI machine learning here, it has its time and place. But if you're just going to use it because you want to take the shortcut, and I, I believe that was your point, then that's the wrong approach. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Julius Caesar, at the beginning of Julius Caesar, right? Yeah. Uh, Julius Caesar's wife is has actually convinced him yeah. to not go uh, to the assembly where yes. he's ultimately killed in the assassination. Yeah. And Julius Caesar accepts that. Yeah. Um, but then somebody from the assembly actually comes and said, but you're Caesar. Nothing can, you know, nothing can kill you. Mm -hmm. So there's all of these omens there that this isn't the right thing for Caesar to do. Mm -hmm. And unless you read Julius Caesar, yep. you know, you don't actually understand the beauty of that language of how it unfolds. And in fact, there are many omens out there today that say that we need to really be progressing with this kind of technology very carefully. Yes. Either we will see these omens, or it will be the Ides of March for our profession. I was just going to pull that one out, the Ides of March, but you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or um, or for our jobs or for our careers. Uh, but we have to pay attention to these omens. We have to pay attention to the limitations uh, that, that, that really are here and that are staring us uh, right between the eyes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Ren, if you'll oblige me, I, I did um, <clears throat> toy around with chat GPT before this conversation, and, and I did ask it one question, which is pertinent to this discussion. Wait, let me pull it up. I asked, will chat GPT replace copywriting in the long run, right? And this is what it, this was its answer. So just <clears throat> hold on to your seats. As an AI language model, my main purpose is to assist humans in generating high quality content more efficiently and effectively. While I can generate text and provide suggestions, I do not think that I will replace copywriters entirely. And that was the AI saying that, right? And it went on to say, copywriting involves more than just producing text. And this was really to your point. It's, it's frightening how similar it is. It requires creativity, cr critical thinking, and a deep understanding of the target audience and the brand's voice and message. While AI models like ChatGPT can assist with generating ideas and providing suggestions, they cannot replace the creativity and strategic thinking that a human copywriter can bring to the table. And I'll just read this last sentence before we continue. Furthermore, copywriting involves understanding and interpreting complex cultural and social nuances, which can be difficult for AI to fully comprehend 
if at all, right, yeah. in my opinion. While AI language models are constantly improving, they are not yet at the level of understanding and interpreting cultural and social nuances with the same level of nuance and depth as humans. That was ChatGPT's answer yeah. to my question. Right. And, and, and the, yeah. reason it, the reason it can answer this way is because some human has yeah. actually written about this already and put it out on, yeah. onto me, whether it's on Wikipedia or one of the other search, uh, the websites where yeah. ChatGPT has gone and vacuumed up all that information. Yeah. Remember, I said, you know, there might be some intellectual property issues here because where yeah. did you get all this content to begin Absolutely. with? Absolutely, yeah. Humans wrote this content. And so some human has actually talked about what copywriters do. All ChatGPT is doing is it's going out there, bringing that information in and saying, here's the answer, because that's what the humans are saying. And and so, you know, that's why it might seem like, oh, my God, it sounds so human-like. Well, the reason it sounds human-like is because it's you know, looking at binary bits of information language that already exists out in the internet you know yeah absolutely absolutely I, I thought that was an interesting one to share for this discussion so uh thanks for your patience but once again i mean ren we, we could have gone on for another five or six hours and we were just talking about this and of course other topics but thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much for sharing your perspective um obviously based on your expertise and experience so Quick introduction to yourself and um, how folks out there can uh, get in touch with you. Oh, sure. So um, so my uh, agency is called StoryAZ.studio. Um, we are based in San Francisco. Um, uh, we are a copywriting and content marketing agency. Um, we work on you know all forms of content creation. Our clients uh, tend to be... Um, you know, healthcare, education, software. We work with startups. Um, we work with financial services companies. Um, and, you know, really the reason that uh, clients bring us in is because they are looking for expertise on how to capture so many variables that express a brand um, with their customers to engage with them in a, in a very personalized, authentic way. Um so you can you know come to the website uh, at storyaz.studio uh, um, and check us out and um, also check us out on LinkedIn. Follow us. Um, we post regularly and we'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ren, once again, thank you so much for your time. Take care. Stay safe and talk to you soon. Thank you, Christian. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.